I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello. And welcome to the World Cricket Show, a show about cricket all across the world. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for tonight's swashbuckling entertainment. But I don't do this show on my own, even though many, many people have suggested that it would be all the better if that were the case. With me in the studio, as always, is a man by the name of Tony Kerr. You just couldn't hack it on your own. You've tried before, I mean, I've done, three I mean, or I four times. I have tried before, yeah. yeah. And it just, just, didn't, just didn't get anywhere. I had to rope in London correspondent Gordon McRae <laughs> to help me, and that was, you know... I wouldn't listen to that. <laughs> We're both tired again this week, so <laughs> I'm absolutely we? knackered. I'm absolutely knackered. <laughs> We're just, I'm just pushing myself way too hard yeah. by trying to watch all of the matches of Euro 2012, the French Open final. There's so much sport going on. You know, my schedule is just overflowing with sport, and it's, something's got to give. It was almost the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully for you and the rest of the listeners oh thank god uh, for that <laughs> found time I've recorded the Spain-Ireland match uh, against my better judgement to come down here and record so cricket possibly the most low-key of the sports going on <laughs> at the moment yeah I mean I the, the last test match certainly wasn't particularly successful in drawing my attention away from the Euros I did watch a bit of it so. oh good um, yeah. I'm glad about that off we go then for another madcap 45 <laughs> minutes of uh, Radio Gold. Uh, what are we up to now? Episode 143. You know what that means, Tone? We're only seven away from the landmark 150th episode. <laughs> the Jubilee episode. You might call it that. Do you remember the 100th episode? That was quite a party, Fondly, wasn't it? Yeah, That Fondly. was quite a party. I do remember setting off poppers and it being uh, wildly underwhelming, <laughs> to say the least. Well, we've got to think of something for the 150th. Can we top that? <laughs> How's it going this week, Tone? Did you have a good weekend? I feel like your weekends are becoming more extreme again. Well, this is just a pattern that I've noticed emerging that I go home of a Friday or Saturday night at a respectable time, go to bed, get some sleep. When I get up in the morning and check Facebook, photos that have been posted (laughs) at like four in the morning, photos doing the rounds of you involved in all all various shades of debauchery. I'm not sure that's true. That week was a very good weekend. I attended a wedding on Saturday. There was a photo of you in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, t- pitched up at a wedding uh, and uh, yeah, ended up in the pool, which is nice. I wasn't the first in. Someone went in first, dragged someone else in fully clothed with phone and all. I mean, I mean the phone now is a nightmare if you're anywhere near a pool at a party, isn't it? So half the reason I went in, I was about fourth or fifth in, but half the reason I went in was just because I'd taken off most of my clothes. I just didn't want to get wet. <laughs> right, yeah, sure. Like my nice That's jacket, what you said. Yeah, my phone, it? my jacket, That's you know, my trousers, said. my shoes. I just didn't <laughs> want those getting wet. But what was Just like, can't have these clothes getting wet, girls. So I've taken them all off. But yeah, 
annoyingly saw the official photographer's a selection of the official photographer's photos that he posted to his blog and uh, there's probably about 30 photos scrolled down so really nice you know mixture of nice black and white shots colour everything beautiful photos like you know, everything's going well and the last one is of me rugby tackling someone into the pool my nose is almost touching the water it's, the caption just is you know inevitably inevitably the pool saw some action towards the end of the night <laughs> right. that's the only time I figure in all the photos <laughs> <laughs> he meant the caption may as well read like you know inevitably some idiot tried to ruin it for the rest of us would you say that you did ruin it for everybody uh, well fortunately I wasn't the worst someone a colleague's uh, a colleague's boyfriend uh, sorry a colleague's fiance I should say uh, was probably the worst because he dragged he was the first in and then dragged her line manager you know, complete with phone and everything into the pool so which didn't go down particularly well and you were watching this while just stripping layers <laughs> off, just removing like, no, layers <laughs> no as I t- took my um, so I've also been betting a lot on the Euros right just, I've brought it up mainly so I can I've got an excuse to put some money on the uh, Spain match it's good to see that you're concentrating there too put your iPhone out just betting on football while I'm trying to I'm desperately spinning plates trying to keep, <laughs> keep this show going well while you're doing that why don't I tell you what's coming up on the show today uh, we will be looking back on the third test between England and the West Indies at Edgebaston and we'll also be looking ahead to the one day series as well and there'll be a couple of side notes and in addition we'll be taking a characteristically in-depth look at the question of bad light it's non-stop excitement on the world cricket show isn't it i mean bad light really is a subject that gets the pulses racing doesn't it england on this part of the show we talk about england still explaining it after 143 episodes <laughs> well it's you know it's a, a slightly confusing name to the item isn't it and I, I imagine people listening to it if you don't explain it how are they going to know what the item's about so i feel i've really got to got to do that well, I mean, yeah, because there's often a subtle twist at the end, isn't there, that really changes everything on its head. Speaking of which, I saw a trailer. This is a sideshow now. Are you going into your stand-up act now? <laughs> it was a trailer doing the rounds on TV. I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's got De Niro in playing a some kind of like David Blaine-esque, you know, that kind of or some kind of psychic stage personality superstar thing. In the trailer, it says, this year's Sixth Sense. <laughs> but that film came out, Sixth Sense came out. <laughs> Over 10 years ago? 99, I'd have said. 99? So, what are we talking, like 13 years ago now? Who care? I saw The Sixth Sense and I don't care if it's this year's Sixth Sense or not. Right. But be, <laughs> most of the people who that film's are, like targeted at, which is pre-teens to late teens, aren't going to give a f*** what, uh, <laughs> about The Sixth Sense. No, uh, well, some of them wouldn't have even been born. It's like a film coming out and saying, this year's Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too long ago to really be this year's anything. One of my favourite things of movie trailers uh, is when they, they just keep using the word year, like... This year, one of the most anticipated films of the year. <laughs> so you don't need to say this year, then, do you? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah one of the most uh, anticipated segments of the show is <laughs> <laughs> England. England. There was a test match at Edgebaston this week you between thought it, would you? England Barely. and... Barely. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a gag. What a gag it's that a gag. is. Because of the weather, you mean? Because there was rain around. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a gag for you, Tane. Summer. Yeah, right. It's a good one line, isn't it, Summer? A Summer, not not much. <laughs> okay, this is getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I'll start again. There was a test match at Edgebaston this week between England and the West Indies, and it turned into one hell of a nail-biter, didn't it? Would it be wrong to say that it was, you know, maybe more exciting than the 2005 test at the same ground? 
England and Australia. Yeah, I mean, this will be played out, uh, you know, we'll be seeing replays of this for years. I think the uh, the DVD might be available already. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, no, I was you know I was on the edge of my seat, and uh, probably because the seat was wet. <laughs> That's actually a, would be a good gag, except that you were presumably watching it at home yeah, it on your sofa. So I don't really know what. Yeah, and it was why, safer, so even if it was wet, was I wouldn't wet. slip off it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but anyway, it's a good attempt at a joke. So yeah, yeah. We, give me some credit. Yeah, the, the building blocks are there, aren't they? Uh, so the first two days of the game were lost due to rain. When they finally did get underway on the third day, uh, West Indies batted first up, uh, and they were two eighty for eight by the end of it. When England got the ninth wicket in the first over of the fourth day, it looked like the openers were about to be getting the pads on. But then something really quite extraordinary happened uh, when Tino Best smashed the world record for a score by a number eleven batsman. With 95 from 112 balls, including 15 boundaries, Dinesh Ramdin played his part as well with 107 not out. Uh, it was a partnership of 143 for the last wicket. England were wobbling at one stage in reply at 49 for three, uh, but half centuries from Kevin Peterson and Ian Bell meant that they were 221 for five at the end of day four. The last day was also washed out and the game ended in a very damp draw. It was an odd game, this, really, Tone, wasn't it? Because three entire days were lost to rain, and yet there was no shortage of talking points. The most obvious of those, of course, was the remarkable, as I mentioned, world record-breaking performance from Tino, mind the windows, Tino best on, uh, <laughs> on Sunday morning. What did you make of that? Of that particular innings? That innings, <clears throat> that partnership, that whole sort of passage of play. Well, I mean, yeah, arguably it's probably the most memorable passage of play of the series. <laughs> it's also I the most you, recent. I thought you were going to say, like, <laughs> of, all of all time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's because that's the one you love to watch. Yeah. I can't remember what happened in the first two tests, but I can remember saying that they were, you know, fairly unremarkable. So Hence you know, why you can't remember. Exactly. So I'm backing my own judgment on that. Yeah, I mean, well, Tino best innings was was fantastic his uh his celebration to get to his 50 was very similar to my celebration a few years ago when i made one for the first time in about 11 innings kind of respectively this was a greater achievement well his was maybe a greater achievement but yours arguably a more surprising achievement i mean even than that it was a great moment when when he got to 50 as you say he he, he took the helmet off and was jumping around and uh, cheering you know without wishing to sound like a uh sentimental sally it was a genuinely heartwarming moment i thought <laughs> good, good. I, I, I really like he was loving it and i i, I was loving it too. It, too. it has to be said that uh west indies more than any other team bring out uh the you know the support of the english cricketing public most of the west indies team have actually got better receptions i think than the england team this, in this series probably and i would imagine an element of that is slightly patronising almost. I mean, it is, yeah. But uh, it, it, there's a difference between, you know, say if Darren Bravo had got his 50, I don't really care. But if Tino Best does it, it, you know, you can't really think of anyone in the world less likely to do that. A, because he's never made any runs before. And B, because this was his first test match for, what, three years. So to, to come into the team and, and do it, and do it in some style as well, was fantastic to watch. And he's a very exciting cricketer. He's full of charisma, enthusiasm. I was saying to you about uh, Tino Best's answer for phone message uh, on his mobile goes uh, hi you're through to Tino Best fastest bowler in the world I can't come to the phone right now as I'm out training to become even faster which I think is pretty cool yeah that is fun as our friend pointed out his mum must be annoyed with that the other major talking point of the game uh, was Dinesh Ramdin's reaction uh, when he went to his hundred 
Uh, he celebrated, but in a much more angry way than, than Tino Best did, and, and reached into his pocket and withdrew. I think, didn't he pull out his glove? Was that out of his glove? I think so. I don't know. Uh, well, reached into somewhere. <laughs> well, not. Pulled out a note which said, Yeah, Viv, talk now. Seemingly in response to uh, comments that Viv Richards had made uh, in the media, sort of saying that Ramdin wasn't really good enough, that, that he looked lost. What did you make of that? Was that a sensible thing for Ramdin to do? I personally am a fan of these kind of irrational uh, moments of like kind of reaction and stupidity, really. He was slightly over the top in his anger. The sheer rage on Ramdin's face was quite evident. But ugly. The rage was. Yeah, the rage. <laughs> in general. Yeah. <laughs> Ramdin's ugly face. Fair enough. You know, if someone says, you know, if someone's bad mouthing you, uh, and you go out and completely wash that away with a great performance, then I think you've got, you know, I'd, I'd have no problem with a little bit of, not, I wouldn't call it gloating, but, you know, kind of like, yeah, what, what about, yeah, what now, you know? Yes, I know what you mean, and there is a part of me that does agree with that, and I think that certain pundits, particularly people like Viv Richards, are probably given a disproportionate amount of respect. You know, if he'd been slagged off by Ian Bishop or by Nick Knight or someone... <laughs> Would people have been springing to their defence in quite the same way? I'm not sure. Definitely not. Uh, you know, there's, there's this thing that you can't criticise Viv Richards. And he certainly earned the right to have his say think, through being one of the best cricketers yeah, ever. But that doesn't mean that he's a great pundit necessarily. Look at Ian Botham. And also I think a lot of the English pundits are just frightened of Viv Richards. There's this element of sort of, yes, Mr Richards. Like, they're just quite scared of him. Yeah, if it was kind of in a more, jo- not necessarily jovial, but more kind of amiable sort of tone to it I would have I think people wouldn't have minded so much but I think that's the problem and I think it's also it was quite um, bitter wasn't it it was bitter and it was also obviously extremely premeditated there's a difference between say Nasser Hussain when he um, scored 100 uh, against India in a one day game in 2002 angry looking up at the media centre and you know thumping the number three on his back to say yes I deserved about three that's just something that's come in the heat of the moment. Whereas Randon getting this note out, he obviously, when, when he woke up in the morning, he, he wrote that down. Well, how, many, how, many, how, many, how many times has he gone out to bat with that in his, in his glove? Well, well, exactly. He's yeah. got to rewrite it every time because you know, the sweat will wash the ink away. But, you know, yeah, he scored 100. Uh, so if he's channeling some kind, of, uh, some kind of anger positively into runs, then for the West Indies, that's got to be a good thing. Well, absolutely. But he should, he should just go out and let his batting do the talking. He's proved Richard's wrong. By scoring 100, he doesn't need to get a note out to do that. And pundits are entitled to have their say. You know, where would we be if, you know... Where every, are we? Every player... <laughs> that's a good question. I've been meaning to talk to you about it. But, um, but where would we be if, you know, every player that we criticise... And, and Richards wasn't being overly critical of him. He, and he was, to a large extent, right about Randon because his record is pretty mediocre in Test cricket. You know, if every player that we criticised when they got 100 turned round and you know pulled a note out, it'd be fantastic publicity for the show. But you know, <laughs> but we think possibly it's our job, not one that we get paid for particularly, but it is our job to make those sorts of comments. You wonder how long Ravi Bapara has had a note in his in his glove. Yeah, Bayfield talk now. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure that it necessarily paints Dinesh Randon in a great light, and he needs to score you know more He's of those types up, of innings he, yeah. if he really is going to prove Viv Richards wrong. Much was made of the fact that England's frontline bowling combination of James Anderson and Stuart Broad were rested for this game, uh, with Steve Finn and Graham Onions coming in to replace them. Uh, this was part of England's rotation policy, uh, which many in the media have criticised, saying that it cheapens Test cricket that it's disrespectful to the West Indies 
and that in a test match you should always pick your best available 11. What's your view, Tone? Was it the right move to, to make a rotation for this game? I don't see it. I've got no, no reason to object to it. Yeah, the test series has been wrapped up. It's 2-0. It's a dead match. But yeah, why not? Why not give them a run out? One of the problems is that all cricket pundits virtually used to be cricket players and they're just thinking, well, I would have wanted to play when I was fit, but they're not necessarily looking at the big picture the big picture is that yeah England have got a huge amount of cricket coming up they need Anderson and Broad um, to be fit for the important games they don't necessarily need them to be playing in a dead rubber against the West Indies and as Strauss said this is about them playing more test cricket in the long run rather than less but also aside from that strategy issue I was also just really happy to see Finn and Onions play in this game because it's interesting if they hadn't played, where would the interest have been in this test match from an English perspective? In a dead rubber, would you rather see Anderson and Broad doing their thing, which is effective, but which we all know about, or see Finn and Onions come in and, oh, you know, how are they going to get on? Which one of them's going to put his name in the in the frame for a call up? Are they as good as we think they are? It was interesting watching them bowl. And I don't think it would have been nearly so interesting watching Anderson and, and Broad bowl. I understand that you don't want to risk destabilising a, a winning outfit, but Onions and Finner are plainly good enough not to do that. As Darren Sammy said, both of them would get into virtually every other test team in the world. So I don't think it sort of made England a, a much worse team. And it was, you know, an intriguing sort of part of the match that you wouldn't have had otherwise. <laughs> there was a comment on uh, on one of the cricketing Info articles about the, the result. Uh, top comment from an Aussie fan, presumably because the name was like something like John Oz or something, saying, disappointed that the South Africans are going to get a first shot at this house of cards. <laughs> should maybe laugh well let's get him on the show at some point <laughs> we should get him on the value. show I mean, they bowled pretty well short of that spell uh, where Tina Best was making a fool of them uh, you know they had them 8 down for 267 which wasn't a, wasn't a terrible performance no absolutely and I actually thought that they bowled pretty well Onions particularly Finn was maybe not quite at his best but Onions I thought bowled extremely impressively I thought it was absolutely fantastic to see him back in the side it's, it was his first test match since Cape Town in January 2010 he saved England's bacon in that game of course as he did earlier in that series in Centurion and that was obviously with the bat uh, but he was he was pretty impressive with the ball in the, in the games that he played for England that year as well but then after that Cape Town test, he suffered a, a back injury uh, so severe that at one stage he was retraining as an umpire. Um, so it, it very much looked like his whole cricket career might be over. So to be back playing for England is just extraordinary, really, isn't it? And you've got to say that he, he deserves it. Looked very much like a, a test match bowler. Everyone says about him, oh, he bowls a heavy ball. And it is a real cliche, but it is true. He, he's, he seems to bowl much quicker than the speed gun suggests. Mike Atherton said that out of all of England's bowlers, Onions is the one that he would least like to face, which is quite a compliment, I think, for someone like Atherton. And given that Anderson and Broad are also in the team, and Swan as well, they're a different idea. Who's above who in the pecking order now? If someone gets injured, say someone's injured right before the, the first test of the South Africa series, would it be Finn or Onions that comes in? On the basis that Onions took four wickets, maybe I'd go with him. As opposed to Finn, who got, what, three? Three. So, I mean, <laughs> Onions is clearly outshone, statistically outshone Finn in this test match. You would have said certainly at the start of this season that Finn uh, was ahead of him, that Finn was, you know, Finn was almost on the point of displacing Bresnan. But England apparently picked Onions before they picked Finn in the sense that they only decided to leave Broad out at the last minute. I think Finn has the more promising career ahead of him, but right now it's probably onions for me. And I think he's he's put himself above Finn in the pecking order. The only thing is there are quite a few one-day games between now and that South Africa series. 
which Finn will probably play most, if not all of. And if he bowls well, then... Uh, He's hard to overlook, yeah, isn't he? He'll be hard to ignore. Uh, one other player who made headlines in the game was Sunil Narine. He made his debut. Much-hyped spin bowler coming into the game. Didn't pick up a wicket, I don't think, did he? Uh, and he was knocked around the park a little bit by Peterson and Bell. Pfft, rubbish. Uh, yeah, Bumble. Bumble hadn't seen him bowl before. <laughs> really? Which is, uh, which is odd. He said, this is the first time. This is the first look I've had at the run, given that he played, you know, a lot of a lot of IPL and has played ODIs for West Indies. Yeah, it's not, it's really, not exactly his debut. It's not really good enough that from Bumble, is it? No, not not quite. But he's, he did all right. I mean, he didn't get a lot of opportunity to show what he's got. Not ideal conditions for him. Graham no. Swan didn't get a wicket no. in the match, and also it would be ridiculous to write him off after one half of a completed innings. Having been so impressive in his limited overs career, it was maybe easy to get carried away with the idea that he could just come into Test cricket and be sensational test cricket is a very different ball game Hussain was making a good point on commentary that uh, as a batsman it's actually much easier to pick a red ball than a white ball um, to sort of see what the ball is doing with it as he's running up and that maybe had something to do with it obviously Ajmal does it pretty effectively with both colours but um, it's going to be good to see him in the one day as that's uh, you know, that's where he'll really get three matches to, sh- to show what he's worth <laughs> <laughs> so that's a real that's a real good run out and a 2020 as well so uh, yeah I mean so that, that's something yeah uh, it was a dismal series for Darren Bravo uh, who came to England with a lot of expectation on his shoulders and singularly failed to deliver didn't make a half century um, in any of the three test matches he's undoubtedly got a huge amount of talent and he shouldn't be written off as virtually the entire English media will do now but West Indies could really have done with him coming to the party, I think, at some point in the series, and he didn't do that. What did you make of the series overall? Might not linger long in the memory, perhaps, but did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was fairly sort of passable, wasn't it, as the series go? Uh, I mean, in terms of how it compared with what I expected, what I expected and predicted a 2-0, 2-0 England win with one rain-affected test. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'll make well no done. apologies for that prediction. Congratulations. We're all very happy for you. <laughs> Which you were you were keen to stress that I had revised the 3 0. Yeah, you did revise it. That was it only on the basis of the weather forecast, and that changed. We got a bit carried away with we the did. weather. Yeah, it did look for a moment like it was going to be a scorching summer. Yeah, well, we and had that. about four days of hot weather and we were like, right, well, until September, that's me. That's uh, <laughs> that's t shirt and shorts. Uh, and now it's just absolutely miserable. It is. I've got a joke for you, Tane. Summer, yeah, right. I might have made yeah, that joke. Yeah, well. I, I mean, remember. June, what are we now? The 14th of June. I haven't seen the sun for about two weeks. Uh, June's a write-off. The rest of June's going to be a write-off. Uh, and I'm pretty peed off about it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So There's no need to swear. To <laughs> Not really a memorable test series. But then again, I can't remember any opening test series to an English summer, really. Ever, you know, I mean, they're, they're always kind of like they're always kind of like the teaser, aren't they? So obviously, it's just wetting the appetite. Yeah, so the amuse bouche, <laughs> if you will. Get a team over, play a couple of tests in the cold in Durham <laughs> in May. Uh, it wasn't in Durham. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the cliche. Yeah, that's the stereotype. You know, that's not to knock it. It's been it's been fine. It's always good to see the West Indies. The one day series starts on Saturday. Uh, England have named their squad. It's a it's a fairly familiar looking uh, squad. Alistair Cook, James Anderson, Johnny Bairstow, Ian Bell has been recalled, Ravi Bapara, Tim Bresnan, Stuart Broad, Jade Dernbach, Steve Finn, Craig Kiesvetter, Owen Morgan, Samit Patel, Graham Swan and Jonathan Trott. So England have decided to replace Kevin Peterson with Ian Bell. Thoughts on that? I saw David Gower on Sky saying that, uh, that Bell had found himself out of the side for some reason. That reason being that he consistently failed in ODI cricket. Yeah, I mean, it's not an enthralling 
switch up, is it? Maybe maybe he'll do well this time. He's not a bad player at the end of the day. Well, clearly, yeah. I mean, in Test cricket, he's he's going from strength to strength. But he's just never really done it in one day cricket. And not only has he has he not made runs, but he's not but he's not looked very good in doing it. I don't think he often looks quite scratchy in a one day shirt. So to bring him back and say that he's going to open the batting. England's top three is Cook, Bell, Trot. Now Cook has sort of uh, has started to score much more quickly, and Jonathan Trot's obviously got a phenomenal one-day record. But if you just look at that on paper, it does seem a bit of a retrograde step. I think I'd have probably pushed Keysvetter back up to opening, and I'd have probably brought James Taylor into the middle order. Um, but England don't seem to feel that Taylor is ready. Uh, do you want to make a prediction for this one-day series? You're extremely pleased with your predictions at the moment, so uh, let's see if you can get this one right. It's a three-match series. Of course it is. You can probably change your prediction midway through if you want to. Right. <laughs> uh, more rain on the way, probably. With Gale back, maybe Narine, you know, a bit more of Narine, a bit more effective from Narine. <sighs> Not just Gale back, there's Dwayne Bravo, well, Andre Russell, Kyron Pollard, Dwayne Smith, um, all of whom are, are coming out of the IPL. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most of whom did well in the IPL. West Indies are a much better one-day outfit than they are a test outfit. Do they even well, start it? the series as favorites? Possibly you might say it's neck and neck. Focusing on Gale, I mean if he fires yeah, they win a match, but it's as simple as that. I'm going to say one all. One all, and then maybe <laughs> the third one, either rain-affected, like maybe cooled off, washed out, or, you know, highly dubious Duckworth Lewis, Duckworth Lewis outcome. Are you like mates with Michael Fish or something? Tom, <laughs> Thomas Schaffernacker? Do you, do you know about the weather? No, I know. I'm in tune. in tune with the weather. There's only one thing that people on the internet are talking about at the moment, Tone, and that is the continuing saga of Kobo Legends. For people who are perhaps unfamiliar with the podcast, uh, myself and Tony, after a seven-year absence from the cricket field, have made have made a return this season uh, for a team in the Guernsey Evening League called Kobo Legends. Uh, and we've had a real roller coaster start to the season on an individual basis. And I made my return from injury this week after missing the last few games. Uh, and it was possibly the most exciting game of cricket that I've ever been involved in. I would say. Uh, yeah, it was a classic, and it, I, yeah, I don't think we'll have a closer finish. This season or ever. I think we won off the last ball with one wicket in hand. It was thrilling. Well, you, you don't get closer than that, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it was, there was all kinds of personal intrigue and you know individual battles, uh, which really came to a head right at the death. So I drew up a composite 11 before the game. <laughs> uh, Did I make it? No, oh God, no, 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 no. Did you, yeah, well, I was captaining the side. <laughs> of course, um, it genuinely got quite exciting at the end there. Like, not even in a kind of slightly ironic way. I was excited when when our number ten batsman uh, hit the last ball of the game for four. He let out a roar of triumph, and we were all we were all jumping up and down on the boundary. How did you get on, Tone? 
You, of course, uh, made 36 not out last time you batted. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you got that tattooed on your forehead, the amount you've been banging on about it since. <laughs> I knew. I predicted it at the time when I was walking off the field that next time I you know, went out into the middle, I would get a golden duck. Uh, it was the obvious score for me to get. Uh, and it's what I got. That's, that's the script writers are just yeah. uh, in a lazy mood. Bring me right back down to it. It is the second uh, shocker I've had of the season <laughs> in terms of decisions. Another LBW decision that I would have reviewed had both teams yeah. agreed to have the DRS in place for you that said, match you said when you came off that if, if that had been given out in the garden you'd just gone come on back yeah. to your mark back to your mark <laughs> forget it there's no way I would have walked uh, <laughs> but then you wouldn't have walked for anything but I mean the, the issue garden. is though that the you know it's not high calibre of cricket that's being played well it's not bad but yeah. Yeah, it's division 4 off 4 in the evening league. <laughs> so each team, uh, yeah, each team has to put forward two guys to umpire another game. And, you know, not I mean, disrespectful to the, the guys who turned up, you know, gave their time to umpire this match, but they were rubbish. <laughs> they were shocking. Slightly disrespectful <laughs> to them, but okay, I'll let it slip. They're listening. You shouldn't have been out there. And the decision I got was, you know, I mean, the ball probably pitched outside leg, hit me outside leg, and I was given LBW. I batted for the first time this season, and uh, I came reasonably close to my PB with <laughs> it was eight a impressive innings. With eight runs, I clobbered a four down the ground. Yeah, that was a beautiful straight. You don't have to tell me, mate. Yeah. I was there. I saw it. You could argue that my runs were match-winning in the sense that every run that everybody scored <laughs> was, was match-winning. I didn't bowl again. Uh, I don't think the captain trusts you. I really don't think he did. I know this because he told me. <laughs> we conceded quite a few more runs than we normally do, and it's small boundaries. And I think it, we had to go until something like three overs before the end before we got the first wicket, and so that the openers were pretty well set and, and smashing the ball around the ground. And as we as we came off, the captain, who of course used to be our, our, our coach when we were at school, sort of came over and put his arm around me and went, I wanted to give you a bowl, but, you know, they're good players. <laughs> <laughs> My CC now, on this part of the show, we talk about some of the broader issues that are affecting the global game. Uh, one issue that I thought we might touch on uh, is that of bad light. It seems appropriate at the moment, given the weather in the UK. Summer, yeah, right. Am I right, Tone? Pretty gloomy out there all the time at the moment. And with events at Edgebaston, uh, it seemed like a, a good moment that we could talk about uh, the concept of bad light uh, because the fourth day of the edge passing test was halted on a number of occasions due to bad light um, this of course in a game where two full days of play had already been lost because of rain and there was more rain on the way uh, but yet on the Sunday evening the players spent really quite a long time off the field even though it was dry it was just a bit murky out there there were spectators in the stands. Uh, the game wasn't exactly on a knife edge, but yet the umpires brought the players off. What did you make of this, Tone? Firstly, what did you make of this specific decision by the umpires in this game? And secondly, is it time, do you think, to look again at the whole concept of bad light? In this day and age, with the proliferation of floodlights around the world and the gathering shadow over Test Cricket's future, is it ever acceptable to come off the bad light? This is another one of those issues, though, that we, I'm sure has been kind of laughable for 10 years plus, at least. Yeah, I mean, certainly the, in this test, it was ridiculous. There's got to be some responsibility on the part of people who are accepting, who are gleefully accepting, you know, 40, 50 pounds a time from people to then uh, withdraw the service based on some kind of spurious reason. There's got to be uh, some comeback there for the punters on kind of trading standards or something. Yeah. Someone, I mean, there's a class action suit in there somewhere. And I'm prepared to start it. <laughs> Tony's prepared to represent you if you were, if you were at <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah, it was, it was a nonsense, wasn't it? No one was in any danger. The batch was ticking along fine. Give the people something back. It's a fairly common sense approach I'm taking here. Yeah, I mean, I think there are obviously circumstances when the light is too bad to play cricket. Clearly, you can't have Kemar Roach or Dale Stain charging in, trying to knock off like 
Monty Panazar's head in the dark because that is seriously dangerous. But, I mean, you mentioned a, a common sense approach. Perhaps it is just time for a bit more common sense. The umpires do sort of try to doggedly stick to a predetermined standard. Uh, well, the light, light meter is the scapegoat, isn't it? It's the full guy in all this. And I can understand why they use the light meter because it does seem like the fair thing to do. It's, you know, saying we're not going to give an advantage to one team or another because if the umpires are just using their judgment then a team can say well they went off the field when it was this dark but we're having to bat so they're sort of trying to keep it fair but the the people above all who deserve some fairness are the spectators and if they've paid their money uh, to come in and watch cricket and it's not raining but it's just a bit murky and England are scoring at 4.5 and over um, and not really having too many problems against the bowlers it's a bit of a slap in the face for them I think to the umpires to bring the players off so you, I think just allow them to kind of assess the situation on their feet and not just think about how dark it is but what is the match situation test cricket's got enough problems as it is it doesn't need one of its own making like this I don't think almost you know uh, kind of employ some sort of both of method where you just get him to stick his head out the window and say you know, carry on or not because you know he's gonna, of all the people he's going to apply the most common sense as, you know, as he would like to think so <laughs> yeah uh, he would certainly advocate exactly. that method I think. so uh, or just maybe start test matches earlier in the day well it doesn't necessarily make a difference though, does it because the light is not always bad because it's getting dark I mean in England no, no, it doesn't true, get dark but, till oh. 10 in the evening it's about you know how overcast but when it is it is. Yeah, but when it is obviously bad light's more prevalent is it later in the day you're less likely to get a golf for bad light at midday well how early would you suggest they start the matches well 7am <laughs> uh, no, I don't know they're not going to start it at 7am no one's going to turn up to watch at 7am <laughs> talking about slapping the face with the spectators <laughs> they'd need a slap to wake up that early well I mean what time would the MCC members need to get there if it starts at 7am they'd be there at like 11 p.m. the night before. I mean, the, I mean, the obvious answer is just uh, indoor arenas, isn't it? That's the obvious. That's yeah. the obvious answer. You know. <laughs> Put a roof on Lords. I've been saying this for years. I, I can't understand why anyone would have a problem with that. <laughs> no, it'd be fine. And you know, we could get like coloured clothing and stuff like that. Yeah, shorten the game as well. Then you got you know, there's more chance to finish the match. That's a good point, actually. Sort yeah. of like even down to like 20 overs or something. 20 overs side, yeah. Because that's probably all I could put up with watching. Yeah. And if it's backed by sponsors and stuff, you know, all the costs are paid for, so. And you know someone at Citibank, don't you? So they might be interested in sponsoring. Very interested. Just Is there any way that we could get cheerleaders in? You'd have to imagine so, I think, yeah. Oh, I think we've cracked it. I think we're onto something here, Tony. Yeah. I really do. It's going to be a real money spinner. The side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the Cricketing Week. Me and Tony have both brought side notes this week and uh, there's there's an element of secrecy because we, we don't like to sort of say what we've got. We think we might both have the same one. It's kind of like that game, Guess Who? But get with the side notes. There's a possibility that we've both got the same one. We're just about to find out. I'm gonna, this is quite exciting, isn't I, it? I'm going to read my article. This is from a website called cricket.com. .au stars chasing bolt is this your side note no. too? it's not got a different side note interesting bloody hell I'm surprised because this has been quite a big story this week I thought you would have picked I don't it know, I didn't read this stars chasing bolt the fastest man in the world five time world and three time Olympic gold medalist Usain Bolt is interested in playing with the Melbourne stars for season two of the KFC T20 Big Bash League. Melbourne Stars president Eddie Maguire met with Bolt yesterday in Oslo, where the idea was floated to the superstar sprinter and cricket advocate of joining forces with the Melbourne Stars this summer. I think they mean winter. With news of the discussions hitting the media today, Melbourne Stars CEO Clint Cooper 
confirmed these conversations were 100% legitimate and there is every chance we could see Bolt donning the green and calling the MCG home come December. We're very excited by the prospect of the fastest man in the world wanting to align with the Melbourne Stars, said Cooper. Usain is actually an accomplished cricketer. Had he not taken up sprinting, he was on his way to playing higher levels of cricket as a fast bowler. From all reports, he has plenty of pace and can swing it a little too. He would certainly add some speed and energy to our lineup. Maybe a whole new meaning to quick steaming in. Whatever that means. Um, what about that tone? Usain Bolt playing cricket for the Melbourne Stars. It's pretty exciting. Would that not be, be un- mental? Unbelievable. I mean, it'd be, be literally it, unbelievable. It's almost, yeah. Uh, if it wasn't, if it was anybody, but if it was like Piers Morgan, I'd be pretty. <laughs> Where have you come up with Piers Morgan from? <laughs> I'm just thinking the sort of thing that, so, that someone would do, <laughs> thinking it was a good idea, like get Piers Morgan in to play for their franchise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the sort of thing that would happen, though. He's the well, sort yeah. Of, and he's the sort of git who'd take it up. <laughs> Whereas Usain Bolt, not only is it extremely exciting because he, you know, he's you know, the most electrifying sportsman in the world, uh, and the fact that he's actually an all-right cricketer. He, didn't he bowl out? Who did he bowl out? Gale. He bowled out Chris Gale in a, in a charity, a charity match. match. Yeah. There could actually be some interest for cricket fans aside from the novelty of it. It's it's a hell of a coup as well. It would be if they do get him because Usain Bolt is one of the most famous people on the planet, very popular all across the world. You'd imagine there'd be a lot of people who would sort of be following what he's doing, many of whom know nothing about cricket. It's a big coup for the sport, and it would be a hell of a coup for the Australia's Big Bash League. I mean, it's definitely on kind of uh, on a different scale to Dwayne Chambers going to play NFL in <laughs> Germany, isn't it? It's kind <laughs> of like... Uh... Yeah, but that's what I thought you were going to say about, uh, you know, it can only be Usain Bolt doing this that that would be exciting if it was like Frankie Fredericks or Mark Lewis Francis. It's kind of cool, but it's just like, well, yeah. The fact that it's Usain Bolt, it's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, I'd, I'd almost certainly watch it. You'd probably so, be quite quick between the you wickets. you think so, yeah. You wouldn't want to, you'd be a bit, if I was at the other end, I'd be a bit worried about <laughs> the kind of singles he was calling, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> also, I'd be off before he'd even hit it. We haven't got big bash teams, have we? Not as yet, not as yet. Uh, so a huge bonus if uh, if I did now, for some reason, decide to support the Melbourne <laughs> Stars. So that's exciting. How, I mean, what's the, what, what are we talking about? a percentage of how likely this is 67 percent, something like that as a guess he does apparently he sounds interested although usain bolt does strike me as someone who might just be like yeah 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 yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 for sure definitely yeah and then when it comes to it on the morning of the game the the coach calls him up you saying uh, we're about to start where are you yeah, I'm, just, I'm just just at home just in Jamaica. I would say it's far from 100% certain, but it would be pretty cool if it does happen. Yeah. We were all very excited about Tony's side note, but uh, his computer's just run out of battery. Charge your laptop before you come to the studio. That's point one. Point two, eat something. Point three, have a nap. All of these three things... I did charge it, but not... Are ways not that you can improve time. your life. <laughs> um, so I've got one more side note, uh, and this comes from... Crick Info, Flintoff takes to judging sports reality show. Former England all-rounder Andrew Flintoff was last seen globetrotting and eating wallaby for the Discovery Channel's Freddie Flintoff Goes Wild. (laughs) Now he's set to feature as a celebrity judge on the sports-focused talent show Let's Get Gold, which will air on ITV1 this summer. I'll stop you there. I will not be watching that. 100% guaranteed will not be watching that. Are you sure? Because I'm just about to tell you who the other judges are on the oh, panel. Okay, Flintoff will feature alongside footballer Rio Ferdinand, singer Una Healy, 
and actress Martine McCutcheon on the judging panel. <laughs> Not changed my mind, I'm afraid. <laughs> that's, that's an eclectic lineup of Isn't judges. Just, who's Una? Is that from she from Girls Aloud or something? Or the Saturdays or something? Uh, do you want me to quickly Google it? Una Healy is an Irish singer-songwriter and musician best known for being a member of Girl Group The Saturdays. You tried to pretend that you didn't know that. So is she from Girls Aloud or the, the Saturdays or something? Yeah. yeah, the Saturdays you've got that one song. It was the, quite good. You've got a poster of the Saturdays on your bedroom wall. Oh, I've seen it. The programme will air just ahead of the Olympics and will give amateur and professional sportspersons a chance to showcase their abilities. Performances are expected to include a variety of sports and individuals with the most creativity and sporting prowess would stand to win £100,000. Flintoff said he was looking forward to the challenge. Quote, I'm sure the judging panel will all be looking for something different. I can't wait to see what the teams have to show us. I don't understand that. What do they mean? A chance to showcase their abilities. Are people just going to like, like if a, if a cricket team comes on, are they just going to run up and bowl and like play a hate, forward defensive? And they're just like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> the judges are like, not for me. That, not for me. <laughs> you know, will be like, mm, no, it just didn't have enough sparkle for me. <laughs> Uh, and I hate everything about that to be honest <laughs> uh, not to be too harsh uh, I hate it one of my least favourite things ever has to be the concept of the games do you remember that? no was which was game? Channel 4's celebrity, reality celebrity kind of celebrity Olympics I do remember that it was Jamie Feakston that. Think, of course he was the celebrities they could possibly find to compete in a pathetic contest uh, which people actually went and watched and cheered along to like I don't want to go and watch Kirsty Gallagher do the 110 meter hurdles in like 18 seconds <laughs> I would never go and see that it's depressing and this is what that's going to be like that's got to be quite animated actually you do seem quite annoyed <laughs> could you get out of the contestant list and the games people- just for an indication <laughs> of how rubbish it was few things sort of get people as angry as reality TV show contestants like if you, <laughs> so if you speak to anybody about uh like big brother like people still remember big brother contestants <laughs> that they hated from like 2004 people be like oh michelle from big brother five don't get me started like, <laughs> people absolutely hate reality show contestants it must be awful to be one of those people because a lot of them go on these programs where they're like 19 20 and they're just idiot kids yeah and then now it's like 10 years later and they must still get recognized but probably they often get recognised by people just kind of looking at them in a way that like, do I do I know you? Probably a lot of people come up to them and go, have we met? And stuff like that. And then they have to go, no, I was that complete idiot that yeah. was on Big Brother 5 10 years ago. Quite honestly, one thing that annoys me more, I'm not, it might sound like bitterness to you, right. but uh, it's rubbish celebrities getting plaudits for doing something they're not specialising in. You know, <laughs> yeah. They're not like specialists in, mediocrely. You know. Walliams. Yeah, it's just really annoying. It's like, everyone's like, oh, Williams, you know, what a hero. Give him the sports personality, give him a special sports personality of the year award. No, don't. <laughs> it's rubbish. Give someone deserving a sports personality award. Williams has raised a lot of money for charity, and that's fair enough. But people do swim the channel. Like, it, it's, it's impressive, but it's not like... Oh my God, I can't believe yeah. he did that. If he wasn't famous, it wouldn't be a thing. Well, a local Guernsey man uh, set the record for the oldest person to swim the channel just last year. I don't know how old he is. 70-odd. He's not going around saying, oh, I should be I should be appearing on everything. Yeah. I should be uh, introducing people at the Jubilee party. You know? <laughs> I understand that Williams has also got some <laughs> other, other elements to his game. But uh, yeah, it just annoys me. Oh, Williams. Just for the listeners elsewhere in the world, these names will mean nothing to you. <laughs> yeah, it's like when people in 
America make jokes about the Kardashians or something. Yeah. I just don't really know. Yeah, I'd laugh along. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know what they're talking about. The Games was a Channel 4 reality show that ran for four series in which 10 celebrities competed against each other by doing Olympic-style events. The Games was presented by Jamie Theakston. Uh. Uh, series 1, aired in 2003, featured Josie Darby, <laughs> presenter and actress, Bobby Davro, comedian, uh, MC Harvey, member of the So Solid crew, and Azra Aiken, a former Miss World. She was the gold medalist. I do remember being quite good, actually. Series 2 featured Charlie Dimmock, TV gardener, Jodie Marsh, model, and uh, Katie Hill, Blue Peter presenter, and Pat Sharp, radio <laughs> DJ. There's loads of names that they're not going to know overseas. Yeah, if you're if you're overseas, you won't know any of these names. If you're in, but, the, I mean, if you're in the UK, you're probably packing up. Packing up your iPod, <laughs> getting on with your life. But I mean, obviously, if I got the offer, I would go. But, but it's the sort until... of thing you'd probably end up doing. <laughs> like four or five years after the World Cricket Show has died a death, yeah. you'll, you'll be turning <laughs> up, running the hurdles. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I guess so. that's probably about it for the World Cricket Show this week. We should uh, we should probably thank all the people uh, who helped to bring this show to air. The production team, who do such magnificent work <laughs> behind the scenes here. I mean, it is highly produced, this show, isn't it? The rest of the crew, all the interns. Lizzie, of course, personal assistant to Mr. Kerr. They do they do a great job. They really do. You had a good one, Tone? I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> you can hear the enthusiasm <laughs> in your voice. You really can. I've had a great time. You got anything lined up for this weekend? Uh, England football match Friday night. England cricket match Saturday. There's just so much sport. There's a nightmare to, watch to get the moment. It's, a nightmare. it's very difficult to stay across it all. You could possibly wonder, as we say, cricket the most low-key, why we're not doing podcasts <laughs> about these other sports. Well, we did briefly make a foray into the world of tennis podcasting. Then we listeners might remember the world yeah, tennis show. It didn't stick, did it? I was saying to you the other day, we did one episode of the world tennis show. I think it'd be really funny if now on the Facebook page we put like we regret to announce that the World Tennis Show is coming to an end. Yeah. Thank you for your long support. <laughs> like eight months after the one episode in. Although saying that, there are rumours circulating on the internet that it might be making a on return at some point. On the subject of cricket being the most low key of the sports that we're gonna be watching yeah. and enjoying this weekend and for the next couple of weeks. No other sport I think has quite the scale of uh, quite the range of kind of interest from the at the top of the table the ashes which is just unmissable right down to Saturday which is just well, not which is missable Saturday, which is very missable yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think well, we take the piss out of cricket but you know we enjoy it really we sure do and we'll be talking about more of it on next week's show uh, but between now and then there are all kinds of ways that listeners can get more involved in the World Cricket Show they can go to our Facebook page facebook.com slash cricket show they can go to our Twitter twitter.com slash cricket show they can follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Cover. That's T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Terrible. Well, well it's, I'm just preparing for my luxury brand of you know, cosmetics and male grooming products. They can probably follow Gordon on Twitter as well if they want. They can. At G underscore McRae. I haven't really tweeted a huge amount yeah, as yet. Get tweeting, then. Get tweeting. But I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I, don't know where, you know. I understand you probably feel a bit intimidated. <laughs> the uh, level of wit. Because I go to tweet something and the joke's already been written. From me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All you seem to be doing is like laying into Mark Bright. I can't stand Mark Bright. <laughs> Don't get me started on Mark Bright. He's a BBC football commentator. If you go to our Twitter account, it is mostly just me having a go at Mark Bright. Oh, he is terrible. Uh, so, yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter. You can leave us a review on iTunes as well, if you like. We do really appreciate all of those. Uh, and thanks very much to everyone who has done that. Send us an email, 
worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Do that if you'd like some free stickers. But of course, most importantly, the big thing that we're uh, we're suggesting that everybody do at the moment is go to our website, cricketshow.net, where you can buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt. They're literally flying off the shelves at the moment, Tom. We've sent them off to all kinds of places all over the world. All over the world, yeah. Uh, and we'd like to send more. It is a bit mad, though, isn't it, thinking about some of the places in the world where people are just going to be wearing these t-shirts. If you haven't ordered one already and you previously declared your interest, you know, why not? Tony's getting a bit annoyed <laughs> with people who declared their interest and haven't bought a shirt yet. So, you know. There are a number of you out there. There are a Get number involved, of you out there. Let's give it a go. Uh, so, yeah, cricketshow.net, men's and women's sizes available. But that's about it for today. Have an absolutely fantastic week, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Look after yourselves. I can smell your fear Whenever you're ready, I might might just try and load the bet fair at some point. <laughs> it's oh, good to know dear. you're concentrating. Yeah, right, try then. Almost. Who do you fancy first goal scorer in the match? Have you bothered to do a composite eleven? No point, mate. Didn't bother. No point. Wow. Can you stop looking at bet fair? Yeah, like Hussein. I'll always, you know, I'll always pause and give my ear to. <laughs> You've always got time for Hussein. If he ever needs you, he can give you a call anytime. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.